Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. into just like how you became interested in a lot of this kind of stuff and got interested in doing your own podcast and doing what you do. Um, well, I mean, it really goes back to when I was a kid and, you know, I'm sure it's that way for a lot of us that do the paranormal podcasting. Um, you know, growing up, I got interested in the Ouija board um, did the Ouija board for a little while until, you know, that one time that I got freaked out and you're like, I'm not going to do this anymore because it's, it's just to that point where, I mean, it never happened to the point where I had like the board catch on fire or anything like that. <laughs> Some people right. said that to me and I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that dramatic, but it was to the point where it was like, okay, it's freaked me out. I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to play with it anymore. So that went off to the wayside. And then, um, 
I got really interested in tarot cards. So I started practicing with tarot cards for a while. Um, and then, you know, it kind of died down. I mean, I had that interest with looking into Bigfoot and Loch Ness Monster and that sort of thing. But um, not until I was 26, 27, somewhere in there, I started getting the interest again. Probably around the time that uh, Ghost Hunters popped up on TV. And then my cousin and I were seeing the shows um, and we were watching Supernatural and we would have these fires and you know, having a beer, talking about stuff, and we would talk about these strange things, and I was like, you know what? I wonder if there's, like, an online radio station or something that we could get on to have a show or something. So I Googled it, and I'm like, huh, there's this thing called podcasting. I've never heard of it before, which it had been going on a couple years at that point, and I had no idea. And that's where it kind of all started for the podcasting. Uh, we started with Night Stalkers, Paranormal Radio, and um, we had a investigation team of the same name. Um, and then a few years down the road, I decided to branch off and do my own thing with Parasite Radio. And after that... Um, my cousin Eric, who's the co-host of Paratruth, decided to nix Night Stalkers and start his own podcast called Forgotten Truth Radio. And we both stopped doing both of those shows, and that's where Paratruth was born, just the merging of the two names. So after four years of doing Paratruth, I'm like, you know, I really want to start doing an episode or a show uh, with just my particular um, insight into the paranormal because on Paratruth, it's Eric and myself. There has been times where we have guests, but a lot of times lately we've been doing shows just ourselves. And he comes from a strict Christian standpoint on the paranormal where I come from more of a liberal standpoint. So I decided to start Beyond Reason. Um, Actually, it was handed off to me. Um, by Bob Bain from uh, Mysterious Matters. He was going to start Beyond Reason, but he was like, you know what, I Mysterious Matters is going, but I think I'm going to you know, step away, so here's Beyond Reason. And Beyond Reason was actually a show that was on the radio, um, but even before uh, Coast to Coast, and the gentleman had passed away, and his widow really? had sold the to Bob Bain, yeah. So, so you got like a line of succession there. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually was able to find Beyond Reason on, um, I think it was Podbean, a couple of their past episodes, and I was like, well, this, I mean, it really is a an honor to follow in these footsteps because uh, I forget the gentleman's name, but him and his co-host did a really good job. So I was like, I have to continue this this uh, dream of Beyond Reason. So and that's where Beyond Reason was born. I totally understand, man. I can relate because I feel like I, I kind of inherited this 
So, <laughs> yeah, well, I wonder if there's like an 18 year old kid out there that we're going to like pass this down to in like 20 years or something. <laughs> you, son, will continue. <laughs> yeah, you'll continue the greatness that is conspiracy normal. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's in- that's incredibly interesting. I did not know that. So you've just you've just continued on this like over I guess twenty year tradition then with this show. Yeah, um, yeah. I I want to say it was uh, I forget when they went off of air, but it was it was a just a few years before Coast to Coast got going, and they went eventually went from the radio to the podcast platform because the show got canceled or whatever on the radio, but yeah, that's, um, this really was around like probably around the same time you get, you started getting into all that stuff. You know, you saw you talk about ghost hunters. That's probably like the the time that I started really kind of like, that was a Renaissance for me of kind of getting back into the paranormal. Whereas before I had, you know, had that, always had that interest in it but like that for some reason that tv show just kind of galvanized a lot of people back in mm-hmm. 2004 i mean that i think that really was the starting point of the the paranormal revolution um it was super taboo and even when they first started it was still taboo to even talk about oh you you know you've had these experiences you don't tell anybody that's weird you don't want people to know that and now today it i mean it is still kind of taboo which is kind of odd we're in 2019 and these things are still oh you shouldn't talk about that that's that's just weird and odd you don't tell people those things but it's become more normal paranormal has become the normal yeah it 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 really has i mean you've got now, like a plethora of shows that are out there that are dealing with this kind of subject. Um, let's talk about your ghost hunting group. As I heard that you, you know, listening to some of your uh, past episodes from this year, I noticed that you talked a lot about like this ghost hunting group that you that you used to have. And let's talk about some of the places that you went and uh, what kind of experiences that that you had. Well, we um, we started out, and I, I don't know if every group starts this way, but we started out doing um, the abandoned places, like we did cemeteries. Um, there was a haunted bridge in Ohio that we did that supposedly somebody had passed away. Um, I don't know if they were just there or if they passed away on the bridge. But um, eventually we started doing businesses and uh, homes and we got to do an active um, bowling alley uh, that was supposedly haunted. And when we went there, um, we had done that just after a residence where uh, a child was being uh, harassed by something. We don't know what because... We didn't really catch any activity there, but this child was suffering from something. I don't know if it was an act of imagination or there really was this entity there because whatever the kid was seeing, it was manifesting as a character of a TV show that he was watching. Mm. Uh, So was it an entity? I can't say for sure because... 
we didn't get any EVPs. We didn't get anything caught on camera or um, the the EMF wasn't really going off either. There were some high points in the house. So maybe it was just high EMF that was this kid was sensitive to maybe. Um, and it was causing him to see things. I don't know. But uh, when we got to the the alley, they had me um, try and, and sense what was there because I had at that point just started growing my mediumship abilities and um, I was pretty spot on to the psychic that was actually there um, for the other team that had actually put it all together for us. So I thought that was pretty cool to be able to be included in that and, and actually have the right answer compared to a psychic who had been doing psychic readings for however long. So um, the other really interesting one that we got to do and it freaks people out every time I mention it, but we got to uh, do an investigation in Jeffrey Dahmer's family home where he killed his first victim. Okay, that's in, uh, is that Wisconsin? Nope. Or is that Ohio? Ohio. Okay, yeah, okay, he, okay, okay. Yep. And, so that's um, where he grew up also? That home? Yeah, yeah. he grew up in Ohio, and um, that's where he killed Stephen Hicks, which was his first victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, his dad had, and mom had just gotten divorced. His mom um, moved away, and his dad was never really home. And... Actually, the funny thing is, is my wife and I just watched kind of a documentary on him uh, a couple weeks ago, and it almost seems like he was, I mean, the biggest thing for him was he was conflicted with his uh, homosexual nature. Yeah. You know, it was one of those things where back then he was, it was a taboo thing for kind of that thing as well. So, you know when we did the investigation, the house had been remodeled. Um, the garage where Stephen Hicks was killed and dismembered was actually now the living room for this guy's house. Uh, Does he know that? Yeah. The guy, the, it was actually a rental. The guy that owned it, um, had, I, I guess been pretty upfront about it. And the, the renter was having, this activity go on and so the guy I, the guy must have just been like well you know this is the Dahmer house and gave this him a good discount <laughs> he's like oh I, by the way Jeffrey Dahmer killed his first victim here I'll take care of the water bill <laughs> I'll give you a hundred dollars off <laughs> <laughs> well it I mean it it's one of those things where you're like I would hope that this person was up front. I mean, because I think in real realty, you know, you have to be upfront about these things. But yeah, yeah. I don't know if there's like this constituent of however long it's been that you don't have to do it anymore. Um, but yeah, this guy had reported activity. So uh, another group that we were actually friends with invited us to go along. So 
we're like, yeah, that would be, I mean, that would be the crown jewel on, on our investigating hat because how many people can say that they've done a paranormal investigation in a serial killer's house? That's awesome. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, the few things that happened there were pretty significant. Um, the psychic that was with us said that he saw a floating torso, which we're assuming was Stephen Hicks. Um, my cousin, Eric, had got an EVP um, of something repeating his name and we tried to debunk it like was it somebody outside the window where he was sitting or anything like that but yeah. it was almost a whisper so hmm. it, it, like there was no way it was like a, a echo or something from outside or somebody saying his name and at the same time he had also seen a gold orb pass by the door not on camera or anything just visually so it wasn't a uh, lens flare on a insect or water particle or anything like that so it was something that he physically saw um, and we were doing a uh, ghost box uh, session in the living room which was the garage where Stephen Hicks was killed and the whatever was talking said, I'm here. I'm like, okay, well prove it then. And at that same instance, I felt something brush the back of my neck, like caressing my neck. And I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Hey guys, I'm going to be outside for a little bit. You know, uh, I don't feel comfortable in here anymore. (laughs) So (laughs) I went out for a few while they finished up the ghost box session. Um, and I mean, it's just the, you know, what happened there. So the eeriness level is high enough as it is. And, um, you know, to hear some of the history, like he was a, the typical serial killer. He was torturing little animals when he was younger. Um, he nailed a cat to a tree while it was still alive. Um, and the the nails are still in that tree to this day, and it's it's just hard to go in there not feeling weirded out as it was. Well, that's so terrifying because there's all these places that are um, you know that things happened in, but this is the actual place where the genesis of a serial killer was. Yeah. Like his upbringing, right. all the, you know, psychological or spiritual things. If you think it's something like that, you know, like that's that's freaky, man. The formation of evil, yeah, essentially, like, right. And it almost makes you wonder, like, was this guy afflicted by something? Because once he got to jail and he became born again, if you will, it almost seemed like he had a completely different change in his personality. So was something going on from childhood until whenever they caught him and he became saved again? Was it he was just kind of a weird child? Was there some type of chemical imbalance? I guess nobody really can say because all of those things can kind of go into the the same category of 
the mind being afflicted because I'm sure there's a lot of people that are in psychiatric wars now that were just mediums and they didn't know it and it drove them insane. Yeah, like, and if there was an outside influence that led to any of that, you guys were at ground zero of wherever it came through, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what's freaky. I, I think there's, I think there's something to be to be said for for some of that. You got you got to take it case by case. You know, a, a Dahmer, somebody like that. These serial killers, a lot of them are just sociopaths and they're master manipulators. You know, like Bundy. I mean, he was the same way. I mean, he would, you know, he manipulated several different people you know like he just you know he what is it uh james he had james dobson really thinking that uh that he just said it was all about violent pornography that's what set me off that's what it was and you know he manipulated him because you know it was just all press time and just keeping him keeping himself in front of the camera you know Dahmer. i mean he could have just said that stuff i mean there's no there's really no way to know since the guy's dead but uh, Jesus did get him in the end because the guy that killed him actually thought he was Jesus Christ. But uh, oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, the guy that killed him in jail was was had delusions that he was Jesus Christ. But all that being said, you know, there's some interesting material about, especially with like schizophrenia, and not really necessarily. I'm not really comparing schizophrenia to serial murderers, but people that are in institutions or people that have these problems and see these things and are like, or they, is it because their brain doesn't function correctly that they are handicapped in this way that then maybe because of that, they can see things that we with, with quote unquote fully functioning brains cannot. There's, there's almost a chicken and an egg kind of quality to that stuff. Are they just that way because they are actually seeing things because their brain doesn't doesn't work correctly the way it should function, or is that allowing them to see things more clearly? Um, so yeah, I mean that's a that's an ongoing debate in my mind. Well, it's I mean I think it's the same debate with uh, those with autism too. Mm-hmm. A lot of people believe those that have autism see the world completely different than we do. And they might be functioning on a different plane of existence than we are. And that's why the physical body cannot function the way that it should be or the brain even. Right. Um, Because they're functioning on a different level of existence. And in ancient times, these people were considered, you know, touched by the gods Mm -hmm. in a way. Um, but, you know, I, I would think that probably some like these young girls that were taken to the Oracle of Delphi, they may have had the, those same kind of conditions. Um, so, it yeah, been, yeah, the very much the, the, the chicken and the egg kind of quality. Let's go back to what you were talking about when you were investigating the house and you were talking about the child that saw the character from the TV show. Do you remember mm. what what character that was that he was seeing? It was a cartoon, but for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was. Mostly because, I mean, at that point, I hadn't really watched cartoons in years. I had my sure my cartoons that I loved as a kid, and that's the only ones that I ever really knew. But um, I'm trying to remember for the life of me what it was, but. To me, the character didn't seem at all 
ominous or threatening yeah. in any way. Right. Um, but you know, to cause this kid to have nightmares or anything about it. Um, but that's why we were really thinking that there was something going on, that there was something manifesting as this character to scare him because the kid had said that the, um, whatever the character's name was, we'll just say Mr. Bill. Um, Mr. Bill was jumping out of the closet at nighttime while he was trying to go to sleep or coming out from under the bed. Hmm. And it, it was really hard to differentiate if this kid's imagination was just overly active or if it was some type of haunting or, or manifestation of some kind, because the parents, I mean, I, it almost seemed like they were kind of at their wits end as to what is going on. Cause the kid had, um, was constantly crying and going into their bedroom, um, at nighttime. And I, I don't really know because like I said, we didn't get a whole lot of, response at all like I'm trying to remember if we even had anything happen but I don't think we had any EVPs nothing on camera yeah um like I said the the EMF detector went off but it was more so along the lines of high EMF coming off of outlets and that sort of thing so I can't say one way or the other was the thing maybe hiding because it knew that we were there possibly. Um, because at that point, um, both Eric and myself had come back to faith. So was it something that was scared of us because we were using our faith as part of our investigation team? I don't know, but that's the, I think that's the hard part with doing an investigation with where a child's involved because at what point do you say overactive imagination compared to haunting or demonic activity in that right I'm curious about if there was any kind of because it, coming out from the under the bed coming from I guess the closet that kind of thing I mean that's very similar to like alien abduction kind of stuff and you'll hear that in that experience, especially dealing with children where they will see something that is familiar to them instead of like the quote unquote alien or something like that. Did you, uh, would you think there might've been something going on in that kind of realm? It could have been. Um, and you know, it's only been recently that a lot of people are associating alien abduction with hauntings and maybe that they're kind of right. one in the same or right. um there was a guy that we had on paratruth who um he wrote a book called unholy communion um his name's david rufino and uh -huh. he had brought up that a lot of people that are claiming that they're being abducted by aliens he had actually helped because it's in his opinion, it was due to demonic activity, demonic uh, oppression 
and if they were to call out the name of Jesus Christ, the the stuff would stop happening. But you know, doing the the research over the years, having different guests on it it's not always that way when it comes to alien activity. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So in that regard, what is really happening is a demon actually acting as an alien. And then this prayer and calling out the name of Jesus stops it. Or are aliens afraid of Jesus name as well? And that's what's happening. (laughs) It's just one of those things that it's like, what's really going on because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But um, in this particular case, we didn't even, I don't think we even ever asked that question. Is this, is he like being taken or does he feel he's being taken? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it would be interesting to maybe go back. I guess this was a while back now. So we're talking, this kid could be, a teenager or even a grown adult at this point but right. it would be interesting to it, it might be interesting to kind of follow up on that and see if now he has any experiences or if the parents have had any kind of weird experiences and i could i can almost guarantee you that that they probably did and the, the interesting thing about what you talk about when um you were saying that you know, he was appearing as this cartoon character that he was familiar with. Well, I mean, this goes right back to the, you know, what Greg Bishop talks about with the co-creation theory. You know, th- this entity is showing itself as something that is familiar to this child. Granted, mm-hmm. it doesn't really figure out that it's radically freaking the child out. Or but. I think there's psychological things to that, too, as far as, uh, like, the kid kind of, maybe it's kind of amorphous and the child is kind of filling in the blanks with things that are you know, strong images are imprinted on. Right. Brain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, thus it's a, it's a give and take between yeah, the entity still, and It's still a co-creative yeah. process. Right. Yeah. It's hard to say one way or the other. Um, I, I wish I had followed up with them afterwards, but it was, uh, we actually had taken that case for another group who had put together the, the, uh, the bowling alley uh, investigation they had said you know well why don't you take this case for us um, because we would like to start working with you guys but we want to see how well you do and I I don't think I, we ever asked if they followed up or anything we didn't follow up with them um, and yeah you know now that you mentioned it I kind of wish we would have stayed in touch with them because if the kid eventually grew out of it, what really was going on at that point? Right. And and see, this is, this is kind of the problem. And the issue with some of the stuff in the paranormal field is they're not looking at the UFOs, ghosts, Bigfoot. They're looking at these things as separate realms, you know, that the one does not have anything to do with the other. And they're not looking at it as unitary that there could be the same stuff going on. And so, you know, I, I've, I've, I've ghost hunted with ghost hunting group here in uh, Nashville before. And I said something about like to them about the alien abduction lore. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, you know, I just want to be like, come on guys, you know, 
Like this, you need to know this stuff too, because this is, this is as important. It may inform actually what you, what you're thinking about. Um, I had a guest on long time ago. He was talking about his violent hauntings that he had in, in this house in Missouri. And he talked about this episode in, in his book. And I asked him about it where he and his son were driving along and they see a UFO in the field. And he just kind of shakes it off, makes a joke in the book about how, oh, well, you know, I just want to deal with one phenomenon at a time. I don't want to deal with aliens. and I don't want to deal with ghosts. And I, and I told him, you know, I said, you know, I think they're related. You know, I, I think this is a related phenomenon. I don't, I do not think that they are mutually exclusive, but through, I think, popular culture, television, we've been given that impression. Well, I mean, it's only in recent years that has it come to light that maybe there's these manifestations are the same entities just trying to manifest as different things because of interest and that sort of thing. Uh, I've talked to Nick Redfern about this multiple times when I've Mm -hmm. had him on both shows. And um, I, I think that he, above a lot of the others, are... Is, is one of the ones that uh, says, you know, it could be that there is this trickster or, or Talpa type element to it or even just an entity in and of itself trying to manifest as something that not necessarily scares you, but you have an interest in. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where the big difference is between being a ghost hunter and a paranormal investigator. If you're a ghost hunter, you're stuck in that mentality of, oh, all these things are ghosts. If you're a ufologist, oh, all these things are alien. Right. If you're a Bigfoot hunter, everything is Bigfoot. Where if you're a paranormal investigator, you take all of it into account and then say, okay, well, it could be that all these things are separate, but maybe these things are all related in one way or the other. Right. Yeah. That's very well said. I mean that it's, I think that the more, I think that's the only thing that I think with paranormal investigators that I would say, read all the stuff, read everything, you know, pick up like, you know, I know you're into ghosts or something, but you know, pick up Trojan feast or any book by Joshua Cutchin. You know, and you'll see that there are different that that these things parallel and match each other. Right. Yeah, Josh, I I love all of his books. Um, and we've had him on for each one. And it, it makes a valid point. You know, he's he he goes into the book, and even in the interviews, he says, you know, I'm not going to say fairy folk, but very folk (laughs) (laughs) right well i mean and and for and for josh it is very much where i I think for him and now timothy renner is along with him on this ride because they're working on this book is that this whole idea that we are what we're really talking about when they talk about fairy folk is this whole idea of the other in other words it isn't that now the fairies have somehow technologically advanced and they're riding around in flying saucers i joked with josh about that one time but it's that the fact that each 
different period in human history and where we are culturally influences the way the phenomenon manifests itself. Again, that's the, that's co-creation to a T. That's exactly it. You know, when at a time when we are primarily an agrarian society, this phenomenon manifested itself to us as the fairy folk. We become more this technologically industrial-based society. Now it's the space alien, and it's like this—it's like this energy, and this, and this. These entities—they reflect us. In some ways, they reflect our hopes and our fears too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I think that that's a, a very valid point too. Like we still see the Bigfoot phenomenon now. Um, you know, we still hear about fairy phenomenon from Ireland and Scotland. Um, we hear about the Chupacabra and we hear about, um, these different cryptids, Loch Ness, um, Ogopogo. And it really is a matter of, where your perspective is. I mean, there's a lot of European cultures that still don't rely as much on the technology. So they see things different than us here in the States where technology has become one of the staples of everyday life. I mean, even look at Japan, look at um, the different Middle Eastern cultures where technology has run rampant now you know they don't concentrate so much on the folklore and stuff so things have changed so i think that's a pretty good observation from josh as as well as from you guys that it's just a matter of our perceptions are changing so these entities have to change the way that they manifest themselves yeah and we don't know exactly what that mechanism is like we don't we know exactly what this other why that is it just is that and i've always kind of speculated that these are these are natural beings that have been here on the earth for a long time maybe even before we were and they're just more of a like a force of consciousness i play with the idea of like the, I, I like the way that the jinn are described in Islamic mythology, and I think that this comes close, maybe, to how they they may actually be. In other words, the jinn are described as being this other creation of God, and they are just like human beings. They are good. They're evil, and some of them are neutral. They don't care, and mm. they so they're they're just another energy another kind of life force that is also around and i think that comes close to maybe explaining it but i don't think it's the entire explanation well there's a lot of cultures that believe that there was civilization civilizations prior to ours that are now existing Uh, i mean some people believe that They've gone to the inner earth. Some people believe that they created these UFOs and that's why we're seeing the UFO phenomena and so many different types of aliens because they were cultures prior to ours and then they advanced way above what we are today. So I think that um, 
there there's something to say for that as well because I mean even there's even um, a theory through biblical culture that say you know there's this gap theory that between creation and um, creation of the earth and the creation of man there was some had to be something in between so was there multiple civilizations prior to ours I I honestly believe there has been because there's enough evidence of it to say that there had to have been some type of technology prior to ours. I mean, look at Egyptian uh, hieroglyphics. There's been um, Sumerian hieroglyphics that would signify that there was some type of flying objects around back then. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the image of a UFO in the Last Supper painting of Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper painting of Jesus Christ. No, I've never seen that. That's interesting. Yeah. The there's supposedly an image of a UFO flying in the in the distance. Um hmm. and a lot of people believe that Leonardo had this theory that actually um, of about Atlantis and that Jesus Christ was actually from Atlantis huh. or descent from. Yeah. You get all the weird like Christ bloodline theories <laughs> and all that. Um, yeah. I, there's a lot of that kind of stuff in medieval art, you know, which, which is interesting to think about how, you know, the ancient aliens, people say, well, those are obviously the, uh, the craft there from Zeta Reticuli. But I think there's a lot more going on there. I mean, this, this to them, I think, was the depiction of the angelic. Yes, yes. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they would, if you would have gotten a time machine, you go back and you ask them, what are you depicting here? They would say, that's an angel. So it's just the, it's, it's the idea of perception as well. Our perception on this on whatever this phenomenon is and as far as there being these uh you know the the cycle of of civilizations even the the evolutionary biology is putting back modern humans you know it seems like every few years it gets put back another hundred thousand years and to think that they you know people with the same capabilities that we have now uh, i mean mentally and physically wouldn't be able to come to places of advancement you know over and over again within yeah. hundreds of thousands of years because this current civilization right we only really know about i mean not even the full scope of the last ten thousand years so it's like you know why right. not yeah you could definitely have that too going on i mean like if you i don't have you have you ever had walter bosley on your show justin um no but i have heard him on others okay yeah i mean he, he talks a lot about this kind of stuff but yeah, underground bre- breakaway civilization yeah, yeah. I I I think that there's definitely something to it. I'm 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 I don't buy it completely, but I'm much more of a uh, hollow earth guy than I am a flat earth guy. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I um, there's a friend of mine who has been on Paratruth Radio, um, who wants us to revisit the flat earth thing, and it's like, yeah, no. Not really, because quite honestly, I don't believe 
in the theory and it's one of those things like he'll say that you know it's you know NASA's uh, fooling us and, and you know they're putting the earth in, in a fisheye lens and that's why it appears round from outer space and I'm like yeah but this goes back to like the time of Galileo and Socrates and even a little bit further than that where they didn't believe the fifth well it's all a masonic jesuit conspiracy to make us believe that the earth is a round and b not the center of the universe okay okay that's what it is and um the nazis are involved and you know who knows the odd fellows possibly they, they may be involved but yeah uh, well i've i have well the thing with those don't people don't get me started on the thing with those people stuff. to me is that they they're not acknowledging that amateur astronomy is like amateur radio and yeah. and there's a worldwide community of people that exchange information that are i mean it's it's an impossible besides the fact that it's just stupid it's an, an impossible conspiracy to like withhold you know you could not you said it man we get those emails now but yeah the thing that the thing that i that i the the flatter stuff is that it's this whole outgrowth of the conspiracy culture in that we cannot believe anything the government tells us so if they're telling us the earth is round then we can't believe them either you know, it's like this corruption of conspiracy culture, in my opinion. Well, the thing that gets me is when you talk to a flat earther, and even on the flat earth website, it'll say that, you know, all of these pl- other planets are in this dome that covers the flat earth. And, you know, all of them are around, just not earth, because it's it's special and different. And I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, like, even from, there are, oddly enough, a lot of uh, Christian people that believe into this flat earth thing because they, I think that particular fact that they want to believe that the earth is the center of the universe, that special compared to the rest of the planets, that there's no way that there's life on any other planet because God created earth uh, life on earth and that's it and I'm like that is the most close minded thing that you can ever think of like yeah there's probably not a whole lot of life out there now because since they're so far away we're just seeing stuff now that they probably were in their prime and now it's just dead worlds who knows yeah it, it's the whole thing is about flat earth is it's 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 some it's some i I really honestly think that there's some kind of uh psyop psyop going on yeah thank you i mean that's exactly i I really think that's exactly what it exactly what it is because you know people were asking real questions about 9-11 and they were asking questions about this and that and I think that just that that was put out to just make the whole like kind of quote unquote truth or community look ridiculous. Not that we haven't had plenty to try to do that in the first place. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it, it's the, 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 the issue too, though, why I, it, it really resonates with a lot of people that are Christian too. And I think that's because that they feel like it really explains things simply when you don't really need such a simple explanation. And I believe mm-hmm. that's what you're getting at when, when, with right. what you were saying is that you don't need that simple, you don't need that simple explanation, but, but people feel that they do need the simple explanation. Well, here's another element. Of course, the excesses of conspiracy theory are being targeted by by the media and, and everyone is... Unfortunately, I feel like on the paranormal end of things are like joining in, but it's coming around to the paranormal world too, to, to uh, strange archaeology, to uh, the even, even alien phenomenon. And, and this different stuff is getting lumped in in this demonization of conspiracy theory all this paranormal stuff is getting lumped in and demonized also. So yeah, that's, that's kind of weird. You know, the whole ancient aliens is racist thing. It's getting tied in and saying, Oh, see, look, Good Nazis point. believed in this right. alternative stuff. So if you believe in alternative stuff, you're a Nazi. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's getting scary. So I would, I would say to a lot of the paranormal people, like, uh, you know, you're next, you know, you can join in the demonization of conspiracy theory, but they're coming after you too. Well, YouTube is already starting to kind of take, not necessarily yeah, take yeah. down, but change their algorithms where people aren't finding stuff anymore. I mean, right. I, I know that um, I, 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 some other pod, uh, paranormal podcasts that you know, if anybody listens to this show regularly, they know probably who I'm talking about have had issues with this. Larger podcasts than ours that have had issues with, um it being shown that there's other that there's new episodes out and it's just and i mean non well, non-political yeah one in particular those conspiracy guys they are one of the ones that are a relatively big podcast where they were getting a lot of their money from youtube and youtube completely shut down a lot of their episodes right really wow that's it's yeah. such a non-offensive program. I mean, it's such a it's kind of just like a review of different conspiracy theories, isn't it? It's not even like it doesn't even seem like they have an agenda at all. The other, right. Well, that's the part that that's the problem. Now, this was actually something that I was wanting to get into with you. Um I'll get into the main part of it. But the the problem is that I like I feel a little vulnerable here because I'm like, well, we're called conspiranormal. Oh yeah. You know, <laughs> Right in the crosswires. <laughs> like, like that algorithm is stupid, man. It's just going to pick you up and just throw you away. The, and I think that's where the alternatives are going to have to start coming into play because yep. a lot of the the mainstream media right now is, I think they're along those lines of. Um, what Trump has deemed fake news. So YouTube, uh, Facebook, I mean, even Google is probably limiting how you can find these different podcasts, YouTube shows, uh, anything like that. And a lot of people will say, to me that oh this this face, Facebook algorithm stuff is stupid and I'm like 
yeah, but you know, we're still using Facebook, right? <laughs> you know, we're yeah. still using YouTube as a, a main source of entertainment. We can't have like a this free marketplace of ideas if it's all centered around certain apps. If it's all like a, a oligarchy of ideas, you know, this isn't a right. We need our free market of ideas, and it's been the problem with the whole internet. Uh, becoming more of an app-based, even the conception of the internet to to your mainstream population now is more app-based. It's not a a wide uh, you know web where you can go to all these different URLs. People are just they're in those apps, uh, they're in these you know four or five websites, and that's it. Like it terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, e- even with myself, you know, it's like where do I go? You know, Netflix, YouTube, Facebook. You know that's right. it. That's that's Twitter. That's that's pretty much it. I mean that's that's where we've gone. Where like the the internet used to be this free exchange of ideas, and now it's just these people are just restricted to the restrict themselves. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, to these different entertainment platforms. Right. And I'm guilty of it I mean- just with anybody else. Right. I think we all are. We've fallen into that trap of what's popular. Oh, okay. Well, then I better get that app because everybody else is using it right now. Well, we've got to make this switch too. We've got to develop some alternatives before the net neutrality stuff really get, starts getting chipped away more because I think the, I think really what's on the table is uh, reduced internet prices for only app-based devices so there won't be just general data allotted for exploring the world wide web it'll be like yeah yeah, free internet with your four apps you know it's i i think that's the real the real danger and after that when people don't even have access to um you know to to other free information on the internet that's what really scares me i think it's coming i I have no doubt that there's going to be a point where, I mean, a lot of people have talked about recently the the fall of the internet that the the internet's going to crash itself because it's become so large that at what point does it keep working with the expansion that it's had, um, and that's something that's scary in and of itself because because we've become so dependent on free information. Well, we'll get back to doing like zines and terrestrial uh, shortwave radio shows. And <laughs> like, I don't, I don't care. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. It seems like that's where it's going back to, or it's all going to be demonized as being part of the dark web. Yeah. Yeah. But, Justin, have you heard about what has come out about Alex Jones in the last few days? Because I haven't. I think this is something that now that we kind of like we look at Alex Jones and we kind of laugh at him, you know, because he's he's always been very buffoonish, and especially after that four-hour Joe Rogan episode, if if you know what I'm talking about, you know, I mean that was just a shit show altogether. But I think that this kind of stuff really is going to affect us little guys in the future and us guys that are trying to make a name of ourselves in this because what is going on with him where he has been restricted 
and taken off all these YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's all the things that we just we have just been talking about. And in the last couple of days, it has come out that the lawyers on the opposing side of this whole Sandy Hook um, lawsuit that he has been a part of, they mm-hmm. received like child pornography from him from this mass data dump that was given to these lawyers now it's come out in the last couple of days that where this came from was from emails that were sent to alex and were never actually opened by him or by his staff and so he's not in any the fbi has essentially cleared him of any of this stuff has said that you know, you're not liable for any of it. But the headlines the last couple of days has been Alex Jones sends kitty porn to Sandy Hook lawyers. That's essentially the headlines. It's like you might as well just have like killed a baby and stomped on a puppy at the same time. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's just it, but this is something that I think with like kind of this restriction of Alex Jones and yeah, the guy, he's an asshole. I mean, there's no doubt. But mm. it's a this, cunt, though. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. And I think that it's really going to affect some of us in this podcasting community, if not all of us in this podcasting community, whether we talk about conspiracies or we don't talk about conspiracies. Right. Right. Um, you, the funny thing is, Alex Jones has made a platform for acting the way that he does to me personally. I think it's all just a, a big act, but oh, yeah, he's an entertainer. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be like, um, like Jim Harold getting caught up in some type of porn ring. Jim's been an influential part of the paranormal podcasting community since, he was the first one that named his show the paranormal podcast. Um, you know, uh, Jimmy church, um, trying to think of a couple others that have been around for quite some time. If any of them got onto this point of this whole debacle, like Alex Jones has, I, I honestly feel that all shows that have any dealings in paranormal, conspiracy uh cryptozoology anything like that i think we would all be scrutinized yeah absolutely i it it's we i was talking to a friend of mine last night and we were talking about this co-worker and you know it's like his point was if they would just have just like ignored alex jones but see the it was too he's too good for the media i mean he's a you know, he gets ratings like they'd like, oh, look at him. Look at him acting crazy again. Look at him acting crazy again. And then everyone shares it. And, you know, right, right, right. Exactly. And it, but if they had just ignored him and they had just, you know, he would have he would have just he, he would have just stayed and he would have just stayed where he is on the fringe. But they bring more and more attention to him and stuff like this, especially is just going to bolster. It's just going to be confirmation bias for a lot of people and say, well, see, they're actually are trying to destroy Alex Jones by sending him kiddie porn. And, 
you know so there must be something about it and it's just going to keep going it's just going to be this big circle and it's never going to stop till somebody actually does stop and of course he's ridiculous in the fact that he first offers like a million dollar reward to whoever the person was that sent him this stuff which good luck with that buddy and then he had to take it down to a hundred thousand dollar reward and it, it because he doesn't have that much money well and he made comments that they're interpreting as him threatening the people and yeah but then he says statements like well i would never have sex with kids i'm not a democrat yeah yeah. <laughs> <sighs> because only democrats so, apparently so he's right. not helping either you know yeah no he's not helping with any of this stuff for sure yeah. Well, I, and I think that's that's where they're going to have the biggest field day is because he's going to turn it into conspiracy stuff because they're coming after him specifically for whatever it is that he's trying to expose. But... Um, I had had a guy on Beyond Reason who believed that the government was attacking him through um, some type of technological warfare where they were invisible and spraying him with chemicals that were making him sick. Um, And he, he made actually a really good point as to why his story was truthful and valid that somebody said to him, you know, you're not that important that the government would be trying to sabotage you. And he said to them, no, I'm not that important, but they are not that his story was valid as far as I'm concerned, because it almost was a little out there, but it makes a lot of sense just because you're not that important of a person doesn't mean that the government wouldn't want to retaliate against you for something you've said. Now, is that what's happening with Alex Jones? More than likely, they're retaliating for stuff that he's saying that's not true compared to stuff that is true. Um, And how much of it really is true that comes out of Alex Jones mouth I'm starting to really wonder myself yeah I mean you got to a good point because we've had some of these people on too that are victims of this kind of gang stalking stuff and they're making references to possible mind control technology that exists and unfortunately you know you see this in a lot of you know it's almost textbook for a lot of schizophrenic cases too Uh, where do you think either the this kind of victimized conspiracy mindset or sometimes people with paranormal powers. What do you think about this uh, kind of the difference between being in tune to things or just madness? I mean, can you tell us some more about that story you're talking about? Um, well, this guy had reported, um, Oh, what was it? It was, there was some type of, um, loud, um, oh, 
it had to do with a military base. There was a military base that was close to his home. He was had called to to say that they were there was really loud um, activity going on there, and that it was disrupting his sleep. Um, and then eventually he also had brought up that there were um, these like toxic clouds or, or some, some type of misting going on at his house after he had reported this stuff to the military base. And the, the whole thing was kind of making him physically sick. Um, eventually they st- stopped doing that and they were somehow always constantly spraying him with some type of chemicals. He would, he has a literal tin foil hat that he puts under his baseball cap um, and puts wet paper towels underneath that because that, that stops the irritation from whatever they're spraying with him with. Um, and he feels that they can somehow go through walls and be invisible and they're spraying him with some type of irritant. Um, and I think, you know, whether he was mentally ill or not, I don't know. Um, but I think there's a really fine line when it comes to the paranormal and mental in, in, uh, illness. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that see things that aren't there. I mean, but we have psychics and mediums that say that they see and hear things that normal people can't. So is it really mental illness or is it these people were seeing and hearing things and we're just told, Hey, this is a mental illness. Here's some drugs to, to suppress this. And that was the, the end of it because the drugs chemically altered their brain where they're not seeing these things anymore. Right. I think that goes back to the discussion we had about schizophrenia and whether right. or not what you, you, what you are actually seeing is, 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 "Quote unquote real." Um, is it an actual spiritual reality? Those people are actually perceiving. Is it the same way when someone that is really deeply into this conspiracy stuff, they can begin to see the black helicopters or whatever, or they can begin to see the fake agents in the woods, or you know this kind of stuff. However. It gets even more complicated when you get into stuff like with um, Robert Guffey's Camellio, where you actually, you know, that that this gang stalking technique actually does exist, and so it gets it, it gets super complicated. And I, and I think in those cases where you could already like these these it's not even just like government or military that do it. It could also be the private sector that can have this kind of technology as well and 
but they could purposely pick someone that is already mentally unstable and that just you know says well they, they just then they drive them even further insane and they could just say well look you know he was obviously crazy yeah so, that's exactly uh, what he's talking yeah, about it's uh it is it's such a there's such a fine line with so much of this stuff that we just don't know but it's better than just uh being normal you know (laughs) (laughs) the i'd like to get your thoughts on because i was listening to um one of your episodes uh one of the more recent ones is the guy was talking about his dog man and bigfoot encounters you know, you, you look at something like Bigfoot, and you know, we've said it many times, where Bigfoot is, you, you could almost see that as being a possibility, however remote. But like something like Dogman, I mean, that's just weird. I mean, there's something like that, just like you would think it just, that should not exist. Well, the one thing that I think when it comes to, to Dogman, um, and I kind of, talked to Linda Godfrey about this on Paratruth Radio um, that maybe it's some type of throwback to like the um, uh, giant wolves that were around um, dire wolves dire yeah the dire wolves if there's maybe some type of throwback to them even though they have these dogmen kind of have more human like hands it's more of a werewolf type situation um but maybe that the dire wolves kind of morphed and, and mutated kind of like a lot of these creatures that we believe exist today um I, I honestly think anything that's in the cryptozoology world maybe it's more of a mutation from past animals that originally existed they've just gotten kind of smaller um a lot of people believe that bigfoot is a descendant of gigantopithecus even though there's a huge difference between the two species um so and then I guess it kind of goes along the lines of what are your beliefs as far as werewolves are concerned? Is it possibly the werewolf myth came from this creature that people saw and they they thought a man that went into the woods and then this creature comes out, the man turned into that? Um, did the, the, big, the werewolf myth come more from the disease where you grow hair all over your body, your gums kind of recede and you know, you got these thing like, uh, teeth or is it more so that these dogmen are some type of, um, offshoot of the Bigfoot, maybe a, a Bigfoot had that had gone feral and the snout elongates a little bit and the canine teeth, are more protruding and that's what happened. And then eventually these creatures started breeding with Bigfoot and we have this dogman creature that we have today. Yeah. I mean, there, I guess that all that could be a possibility. Um, it, what's interesting to me is that the dogman 
has become really popular lately. You got mm-hmm. a lot of podcasts and YouTube videos and all kinds of things that are out there about Dog Man. And I think like, I think a lot of it is due to like Linda Godfrey's Beast of Bray Road, uh, where mm-hmm. she kind of popularized that, and all of a sudden people more and more started seeing Dog Man. And I, to me, I feel like it's just this, it's, it's another aspect of this phenomenon where the, it's entering into the popular culture and then people start seeing it, which enters it more into the popular culture and people start seeing it more and more. And some of those, some of those could just be stories, but it seems like, again, this is something that's manifesting itself to people out in the woods now as, instead of Sasquatch, it's dog man (laughs) right so and that kind of goes along the lines of the the co-creation thing like you were talking about like are are these things just picking up on popular culture so that's what they manifest as yeah yeah it's really something it's really something that that does make you wonder about it well um, Justin, I mean, this has been this has been awesome, man. It's been awesome having you on the show. Um, yeah, definitely. Thank nice you to for meet making you. the time for it. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and you know, the entire reason that I decided to have you on Adam on my show was because I listened to you guys for a couple of years now, and you guys always do a great show. I Thank love you. listening to the evolution that has gone on between the intros and how you guys do the show. Um, you know, hearing Luke and Rob and then Serfiel and, you know, you guys interact very well together. And I love when you guys have people in the studio compared to over the, the phone. Um, I can only hope that I can get to that point where I can have people in studio because it's been very rarely that I've ever had somebody in studio to do an interview with. Um, but yeah, I do appreciate you guys having me on. It's been an honor and a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where can people find the show? Where can people get in contact with you? Um, what's, what's next for you? Um, well, they can find both shows, uh, beyondreason.net. Um, I also have a personal website, justincancellary.com, because I am also a author. Um, I am working on my second fictional book, uh, the sequel to my first book, which was The Legendary Creature Project, The Griffin. Um, And I keep kind of trying to think if I want to do some type of nonfiction book because I've been doing this for so long that I've got so many different theories but it'd have to be honing on on one of those particular theories to actually do a book that hasn't been already done before but um, the fiction books are really more my style because I have so many different ideas that I've already jotted down that I I really need to get those up down on paper but that's really what's going on right now. Um, Beyond Reason and Paratruth are on hiatus for a little bit. I'm really hoping to get them started before October, but October was my uh, original date that I was trying to stick to as far as bringing them back. But I'm really hoping to get to a point where 
my work schedule isn't so hectic and I can bring them back way beforehand. Um, even if I can just bring them back at a monthly basis compared to the weekly that we were doing before. Yes, absolutely. And I, I, I encourage you to come back. <laughs> yes, please. Cause, yeah. Cause we, we need more voices out there and, uh, we want to try to uh, in- include you more into the conversation as well, Justin. Well, guys, yeah. uh, Stay on the line for us. Uh, We are going to close this section out, and we will be back briefly to close out the show on Conspiranormal. All right, guys, we got a new sponsor that we're going to talk about called Blinkist. And they are this new company that is taking books and summarizing them. Kind of like a Cliff Notes. Yeah, kind of like a Cliff Notes, except it's like a 16-minute summary. So basically, you know, it's it can be kind of hard find hard to find the time to sit down and learn a little bit more when you're out on the go and you're listening to podcasts like ours. And it's uh, not easy when you get on social media and it's so addictive, time-consuming. So you might think you don't have the time to read a book or to develop yourself in any kind of substantial way. So this is an app that we highly recommend, and it's called Blinkist, as I mentioned before. Blinkist is for busy people like like you guys that are out there listening to the show that want to get the main point of the book quickly without reading the entire book. So with an audio feature, Blinkist also makes it easy to finish four books a day while you're on the go, which uh, eight and eight million people are now using Blinkist, and it has a massive and growing library for self-help, business, health, to history books. So... That's very important to me, history. I checked that out today. There's a lot of history books on there. Um, one of which uh, looks interesting called The Congo from Leopold to Kabila, or Kabila, the uh, the new ruler of the Congo. If you cool. guys are any um, are familiar with that, you can go on there in less than 15 minutes and you can get on there and fast track your path to a more intelligent, informed, healthy you. And one of the books, some of the books they've got are some of the stuff that we've talked about on the show. It's stuff like self-improvement and uh, new thought, like how to make people like you in 90 seconds or less All right. by Nicholas Boothman or The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F by Mark Manson. So those, those sound a little bit interesting. So if you want to check those out, those are there as well. So what they're doing right now, guys, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for the Conspiranormal audience. So go to Blinkist.com slash Conspiranormal to start your free seven-day trial. And that's Blinkist. That's spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash Conspiranormal. And Conspiranormal, of course, is C-O-N-S-P-I-R-I-N-O-R-M-A-L. So check them out today, guys. And it also helps us out a lot. Thanks. And now, back to the show. So, that was a good interview with uh, Justin Cancellari from the Beyond Reason podcast and the Paratruth podcast. I was I was pretty impressed. It was a good uh, good discussion. Yeah, I think yeah. between the three of us, for sure. I think we're definitely kindred spirits with him. Yeah, it's cool to talk to someone real, real uh, well-rounded, and you can kind of sh- just shoot the shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, this whole Alex Jones thing. I mean, it does kind of worry me. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, does it, what do you think? Um, well, I think he's just such a media spectacle that it, it, uh, you know, it's totally trivialized our entire, our entire world pretty much. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, I mean, he being a public figure and trying to use like email accounts and receiving things from thousands of random people every day. And it's, it's a, I was talking about how in the media, you know, it really doesn't matter what, what's behind the headline. No one's going to read that shit. All everyone is seeing is just Alex Jones, kitty porn. Right. And they're making the, the conflation. Yeah. So with it, it. Right. no matter what it is legally or what actually happened, that's going to be, you know, what's in people's minds. But I also talked about that, uh, you know, Alex Jones was early on uh, throwing around just, you know, like it was nothing accusing people of being pedophiles yeah the whole pizza gates yeah so right. it's like you know not, i mean not not that there never is any kind of weird shit like that we've talked about that before but uh you know just throwing it around like it's meaningless and uh you know it's yeah. probably gonna come back well i mean and he did promote the sandy hook stuff the he yeah, promoted yeah. all that sandy hook was crisis actors yeah, and and it it, it 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 was his listeners and a few others, but I think primarily his that did go and like are actually harass people, trying and, and thinking that they were being crusaders and thinking that they were going to expose this big evil or whatever. You know, I, that's been one of the big I think the big fallacies about the whole Sandy Hook thing is people thinking that it was just all crisis actors and nothing ever happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and but what's and I understand if there's uh, legal consequences for doing that. Yeah, because, because these families, actual people in the real world, and we have, you know, there's defamation and all kinds of different laws. Yeah, already. Be- because these families have been harassed. Yeah, by these by people that have listened primarily to Alex Jones, but at the same time, it's like you know he's getting he's getting blamed for for a lot of that stuff, but. He's also been blamed not just for that, but for like getting Trump elected, apparently. Right, and this whole kind of alternative media, uh, you know, cultural shift that we're seeing. You yeah, know, it's it's like it's an attempt to demonize this entire world, right? Not, not just right wing, you know, political people. Well, I go on YouTube today to try to find out a little bit more about this, and I get this. Um, newscast from connecticut right one of the local stations there and then you know they're a little snarky about it but whatever they still report exactly what jones said and show his like craziness his ranting and raving which actually does not help anything but right below the video there's an encyclopedia there's a link to the encyclopedica britannica article about sandy hook Right, which this kind of tangentially has to do with Sandy Hook. It doesn't have to completely do with Sandy Hook, but just I guess because the keyword Sandy Hook was in there, they added this. So we're getting all this kind of stuff every time you go now to YouTube, where they're trying to be responsible to the truth. You know, like they're really—I don't know. It's like, well, you know, dude. Honestly, we're we're one of the only uh, podcasts that deal with that talk about you know, kind of weird conspiracy. Yeah. Uh, the weird conspiracy world that, that hasn't really openly on the show talked about, uh, our continuity of podcasting plans. 
because a lot of them do talk about that and like uh-huh. you know, are way more worried than than we are. Um, well, know. this this latest thing though, I mean, it, it's just like if they if they can if they can get rid of someone that is as big as Alex Jones, they can get rid of the little of the, of the little person as well. But just you know, it, it's almost to me like when you live in a neighborhood and you can't get certain services because things are happening there where people are getting robbed and there's like this bad element in a neighborhood. Right. 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 Yeah. So people are getting, you know, so like, so like you can't get a delivery of something that you want because that delivery service will not go into that neighborhood. Right. Okay. Well, 90 or 80% of the people there are probably good people working, trying to do the best that they can. There's that bad element there that's preventing that from happening. And I feel of them getting the services that they might, or the luxuries that they might want to get. So I feel like it's almost to, for us as this small podcast to hold somebody like Alex Jones accountable when he goes and he rants and he raves and he offers a million dollars to because what he does affects us right because what he does affects us and when he says stuff like well i'm not a pedophile i would never have sex with children because i'm not a democrat that is furthering even more people just just like hating him and then by extent hating people people like us as well because you know i i've said it before you know i've i've approach certain people to come on this show they won't do it because of the name conspiranormal because of that stigma that is now on this whole idea of conspiracy theory that it is some kind of it has some kind of negative connotation because what has happened politically and what has happened because of people like alex jones and you know now it's like you know and i and i've said you know look listen to this show you know we i've had people on like michael hughes who's like not a trump supporter or an alex jones supporter at all just the opposite and we've talked about this we've talked honestly about stuff like like um the uh the, the pizza gate okay we've talked honestly about that stuff and we've talked honestly about what what has grown off from that from like QAnon, yeah. but yeah like but but yet these stupid algorithms will could potentially remove people like us. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, and so conspiracy, the conspiracy theory culture, it sur- it survived the right-wing extremism of the 90s. You know, there was all kinds of people that weren't weren't in that world that, you know, they saw it come and go and Yeah. So, that's really the goal I think is is for this culture to survive this wave of right-wing extremism and co- co-option. I mean, it can it can survive, I think. But mm-hmm. now we have this whole the the means of distributing all the information is controlled by a small group. It's like it, it it's like it went backwards because we the the genesis of all this is from the the post office. You know, it's all mail, catalogs, books, alternative bookstores, um, you know, home produced videos. Th- there were shortwave stations i mean that was all moving away from the corporate media to have independent distribution channels but now everyone is back on the internet and there's not even there's not even a way that people would be led to the information if it's not on the internet so it's like yeah it's all beholden now in the 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 medium you know right yeah it's i think 
people are going to, and the, what's going to happen is more of the extreme stuff is probably going to be, keep being taken off of YouTube and it's probably going to find its place somewhere else. But I'm, I'm just hoping, and, and you know, I don't have a really too much of a bone in this fight considering that we don't have that many subscribers on YouTube. So go to YouTube, um, conspiracy normal podcast and subscribe please but we don't have too many subscribers on there so it doesn't hurt us but i know people that it's have like tried to, to right that have tried to monetize i'm just yeah. saying as it stands right now yeah yeah like people that are trying to really live off their youtube monetization and it yeah, is it's really hurting people and there's other podcasts out there that have nothing to do with conspiracy theories that will not touch conspiracy theories that I know that are just purely paranormal podcasts and they are starting to hurt because of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's just this, it's just kind of like this crazy, this crazy world that we're living in where everything is seen through a, everything is political now. Yeah, absolutely. Everything. Yeah. What did, what did we have in the last few days here in Nashville? The oh, statue, the statue that got, you know, over there on Centennial Park, over where the Parthenon is, that got sprayed, painted with, like it said, like, they're racist, and it was something about, like, Civil War dead or Confederate dead. I can't really read the inscription on it because the pictures that were sent me were too low yeah, I'm, quality. I'm pretty sure it's just a, a war dead monument. It's but not yeah. to any general. It's not to, uh, you know. But uh, this is the climate that we're living in. Uh you know, it's everything is that politicized. Yeah, yeah, everything is that politicized, and it, it's it's affecting it's affecting everybody. And, and I, think I think a lot of people like us who actually do interact with a bunch of different people, and they feel like they're losing touch with the majority of people because they're going like extreme right or extreme left. And you're mm-hmm. just kind of like, <laughs> just like you feel like you're like losing all your friends and you meet someone that are right. And then like you become Facebook friends with them and all they do is just like, all this like super hateful stuff all the time. And you know, it's uh yeah, man. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I've got relatives fighting over pictures of Melania Trump <laughs> on my Facebook, on my Facebook feed. I mean, no shit, man. I mean, that's. That's really that's that's really what's going on. I mean, it, it's just people. I mean, there's a certain amount of this whole brother against brother mentality right now that really kind of scares me. And people yeah, are yeah. people are. It's like, because this is much, se- this is separating families. It's because there's too much communication. That's all that it is. I mean, it's just yeah. There's too much communication. Too much interaction. Too much shit going on. Yeah, it's it's the it's information overload and it's the death of uh, the civil society that you had, um, you know, mm-hmm. we're in the bowling alone society and now everyone is turned on by these devices has us increased communications and all those old bonds have been dying for the last few decades. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's madness. Madness. Yes, it is. And if you'd like to be part of our uh, madness, find us on Patreon. And where can they find us there? Seraphiel. You can find us at patreon.com slash conspiranormal. Or if you want to just do a one-time donation, you can go to conspiranormal.com. Yes, that is the, that is the main place to find us. A dollar gets you in to get all the archives from the Patreon. So, guys, um, 
we're going to be back next week and we're going to be in here getting alchemically stoned. That's how it's going to go. Oh, man. All right, guys. Join us next week on Conspiranormal Modelo. all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.